Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. It is Friday, September 9th, 2022, and I'm your host, George Kirk, joined by the one and only Cody Roadcap. Cody, how you doing today? I'm doing great. How about that game last night? That was that was a wild one. Explosive. Yeah, I mean, potential game scoring. of the year candidate in game one. Game of the Super Bowl rematch. Man, that was a great way to kick off the NFL season. I mean, I knew the schedule makers got it right, but you just had to wait and see. We're recording this on Thursday night before the Thursday night game. Let's start with that. <laughs> um, yeah, so if it if it's a, you know, a slugfest <laughs> for some reason or both teams treat it like the fourth preseason game, uh, we tried to bring the energy uh, because we're, we're going to watch the game as soon as we're done recording, uh, but we have not actually seen it. But that'll probably be a, a running joke because we record on Thursday all season. Yeah, exactly. So if you weren't with us last year, when we also did it. We're going to do it again this year. Um, also, Tyler will not be with us today. He's out there fishing for fantasy points in the Atlantic Ocean or something. I don't know. We'll see him next week. He will be back. Um, but today on the show, we're going to hit some NFL news and notes. We're going to bring back my favorite segment, Quotes of the Week. And we are going to preview every week one game besides the Thursday night game and tell you some of the best fantasy plays, some guys you should avoid, some guys you should be watching in case you want waiver wire material next week. We'll keep you up to date on everything you need to know week one. Make sure you find us on thecouchgms.com and our social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, at thecouchgms, and our Discord chat, where we will be talking throughout all the week one games. Make sure you hit the link in the description. Join that chat. Chat with us about all the games. Cody, let's jump into NFL news. Leading off NFL news, we have Rams news, but it has nothing to do with the game that actually happened. Um, the Rams signed their head coach, Sean McVay, and general manager, Les Snead, to contract extensions, keeping them with the team through 2026. This isn't necessarily new news. We heard a lot coming out about this. Uh, I want to say it was a few weeks ago or a couple months ago. It could have even been, uh, but it's now official as of the Rams um, PR team. So, I mean, I think it's a great move. It's basically a reward for them to getting that team to the Super Bowl victory last year. Uh, for sure. Yeah. I won't spend too much time on it. Uh, I think Sean McVay was announced a little bit ago, but they tied it all together with Les Snead on Thursday. Uh, they got Aaron Donald to come back to football. I mean, he sent a full on letter <laughs> saying he was retiring to the Rams this off season. So they got him to come back to football. They put another strong team around Matthew Stafford, Cooper cup brought in Allen Robinson uh, don't care about draft picks. We'll see how long that plays off, but great for the Rams organization. Yeah, I feel like they haven't had a top draft pick in about 700 years at this point, so we'll see how that goes in the future. You're right, but moving on to some injury news, Jets quarterback Zach Wilson, who we heard may have a chance to play week one, he now has drastically changed and is out until at least week four with his knee injury. So it's Joe Flacco for the first three weeks of the season. I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more when we get to the Jets-Ravens game later, but does this affect your outlook on any of the Jets' weapons to start the season? Nope. Uh, I think I'm pretty confident with the the ones I'd be willing to play, and that would be Brees Hall, Michael Carter, whichever one you're more comfortable with. I'm a Brees Hall guy. I think, George, you're a Michael Carter guy. That just goes to show on where how 50-50 it is. Um, and then in terms of wide receiver, the only one – I'm really excited about, or I, I'll use excited lightly as like a flexible options, maybe some daily fantasy and some good matchups is Elijah Moore. Uh, I think mm -hmm. he'll be their number one target this year. Uh, still too early for Garrett Wilson for me. Um, but my interesting thing is like, why not just put him on IR and give him the four weeks? Like why waste the roster spot? Why continue this 
this drawn out process. So we'll see if they make that move before Sunday's game so they can get him back in four weeks. But uh, I guess if not, we'll see him in week four. Yeah, that's the plan. And we'll have to see what changes. We'll talk more Jets in a bit. And then there's a contract extension. I mean, there's a couple contract extensions, but the big one for fantasy news, uh, tight end Dawson Knox and the Buffalo Bills agreed to a four-year, $53.6 million extension that keeps him with the team through 2026. Now, I know it was kind of quiet that O.J. Howard ended up being there in the offseason, and we're like, maybe they're just kind of testing the waters with some other tight ends, but he got released. Knox has won the job again. He's the guy, and it seems like they're just putting all the chips in that he's their guy. Yeah, and you can't overlook the fact that he's best friends with Josh Allen. I know that sounds like a, you know, an odd thing to say when a guy gets paid, which congrats to Dawson Knox. He definitely earned it. Uh, but when you're best friends with a quarterback, you're a safety blanket, you've been on his fantasy team. Like Dawson Knox has been a guy that we've asked the question, was last year a fluke or is that the new consistency? Um, and the way the Bills – and anteed up and paid him this year it seems like they expect big things out of him and maybe we should be tempering some gabriel davis expectations and thinking not all those targets will be that left with cole beasley and emmanuel sanders uh which emmanuel sanders congrats on his retirement uh by the way that's uh he's going to be a bronco i thought he would retire Steeler, but it definitely makes sense why he's going to do it as the broncos since he won the super bowl with them um but back to dawson knock just a guy that he uh he might be a bigger part and maybe a, a later round steal than what we originally thought uh, heading into the season. Yeah, and I mean I think a lot of it still is going to come down to touchdown dependency when it comes to him and he like had most a tight ends. ridiculous like most tight ends except for maybe your top three, um but really that he had such a ridiculous touchdown season last year he could score a ton of touchdowns and still have a regression so not we're not out here saying like oh. Because of this, like, they're showing he should be a top-five tight end. Like, he still probably could end up being a borderline tight end a lot of weeks. He was right near the tail end of those guys that we were like, these are the guys that you could probably start every week, and then you're going into the dartboard. And he probably doesn't move the needle on anything like this, but I, I still no, think I, it's a good, you know, sign of confidence in him. No, I think that's a, a great way to, you know, wrap that up is – at the end of the day, this is a good sign for the Bills and what he means to the organization, what they he means to them, his relationship with the players, front office. But at the end of the day in fantasy, uh, his usage might still be the same. And right as at that borderline, is he a streamable tight end or a every week starter? Uh, I think that's where Dawson Knox will still finish by the end of the season. Uh, but that's it because we're back to two episodes a week. That's the news and notes. Um, so before we hit the games, why don't we jump into quotes of the week? Before we jump into the next segment, I have to tell you that support for the Couch Jams podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the performance package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with the exclusive offer to you, 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code COUCHGMS. That's C-O-U-C-H-G-M-S at manscaped.com. Manscaped did send each of us a performance package 4.0 to try out, and all I can say is, wow, I had high expectations coming in and they still blew them away. I've been trying many things to stay cleaned up down there, but this is by far the easiest, smoothest, and most pain-free. It is really a game changer. Each performance package comes with a lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, 
Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. The star of the show, of course, the Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer has completely changed my grooming routine. It has cut my grooming time in half and all while reducing irritation, nicks, snags, and tugs thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. And if that isn't enough to make you want one, the Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof, so no more mess on the bathroom floor. The performance package also includes the Weed Whacker, an ear and nose hair trimmer that also includes Manscaped's proprietary skin safe technology for a smooth and comfortable trim. The Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner are two products that I didn't even know I needed, but now I can't live without after seeing how they reduce irritation after trimming and chafing from everyday activity. And they even throw in two free gifts, Manscaped's Boxers and The Shed, the travel bag to carry all of your goodies anywhere you go. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with the code COUCHGMS. Again, that's C-O-U-C-H-G-M-S. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code COUCHGMS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Now back to the show. Quotes of the week. Welcome back, by the way, to Quotes of the Week. Um, I have to start it off with a couple of quotes about Ravens running back J.K. Dobbins because I feel like news has been all over the place with him. It's really, you know, you're trying to search for what's real, what's not. And if you're talking about three people in the Ravens organization, it's still all over the place. So I'm going to start off with head coach John Harbaugh, who said, J.K. is really ascending quickly. And then he continued to say he was noncommittal about who will be active week one. Later in a press conference, quarterback Lamar Jackson said, hopefully he will be out there in a couple of weeks. So that makes you sound like he's not going to play week one, but could be out there soon. And then offensive coordinator Greg Roman had said that every running back is going to have a role. And a lot of times he's going to go with a hot hand approach. So even when JK's back, is he going to be the bell cow? How long is it going to be until he is? Like, we obviously are just guessing, but what are your thoughts after hearing everything and seeing everything through the Twitter feed, Cody? All right. I'll go through the quotes one by one quick. Uh, John Harbaugh, just because he just called him JK, feels like he was just saying, just kidding, like he won't be ready for week one. Maybe I put it that in parentheses because he never actually did just say JK. That was just me in there to make context. He never did just say JK. Okay, sounds good. So scratch that uh, strike yeah. from the records. Uh, that's an interesting one. Lamar Jackson, I feel like, is the most realistic. Like, we'll, mm-hmm. he'll be out there in a couple weeks, um, or maybe he'll be out there fully ready to go in a couple weeks. We saw the video surface about a week ago, and it's made its rounds around Twitter again this week of him doing a drill, walking away limping, still not 100% on that knee. Uh, Greg Roman, though, with every running back is going to have a role. They did bring in Kenyon Drake, who's a guy I've been talking about a little bit. They still brought in Mike Davis, who was a guy that, you know, we had high hopes for last year after his big year in Carolina. Still have Justice Hill as a pass catching option. And then you, of course, have J.K. Dobbins. Uh, So realistically, like, I don't think it's crazy to think that every running back on the team is going to have a role. Um, But the going with the hot hand definitely makes me even more concerned for J.K. when he is back and healthy. Um, to the point where I'm completely out on J.K. Dobbins. Thankfully, I don't have him in too many leagues, or if I did, I I immediately drafted a backup because I wasn't fully convinced that he'd be ready. Um, But yeah, I mean, 
I don't know what his trade value is after these videos and all these quotes and stuff like that, but he might be a guy that like is my early season, like trying to trade, trying to let someone else buy in on the hype that he's going to be back in a few weeks, get some value out of him while you still can. Yeah, I think it definitely is the safe way. If you can get similar value to where you drafted him, try to make a move now. And basically then you're making a lateral move. Um, but I don't really have too. I, this hasn't moved the needle too much for me because when I was when I got shares of J.K. Dobbins, I didn't expect him to be solid in the first part of the year. Like you still expected him to come back with how everything was going. You obviously, if you drafted early, you didn't even think he was going to be active for the first four games. Um, and now he's technically trending ahead of that. Um, but really. If you look back to two years ago when he did play a full season, he was also still a committee back with Gus Edwards. And he got to the point near the end of the season where he was talented enough that he was taking more carries from Edwards every single week because they realized that that was their best chance to win. Last year, the Ravens had a ton of former superstar running backs. And yeah, they were using the committee approach. And it still got to the point where I think it was Devontae Freeman was talented enough that he had a stretch of like five games in the late regular season, early fantasy playoffs that he was fantasy relevant because they realized that was their best chance to win. And he was getting the bulk of the carries. Then eventually Latavius Murray started to get hot and they did switch it over. So there's always the chance that you're going to get in a situation where JK comes back is pretty healthy, has a good run and then starts to get eaten away from later but I think if there's anybody in that backfield on a run heavy team that you want a hold of it's still J.K. Dobbins it just won't give you dividends for the first few weeks yeah I mean I'm just gonna follow that up with one quick question and also Gus Edwards is uh you know still is on PUP so he'll be in that mix uh potentially around the same time we think J.K. Dobbins will be back uh just to make that even a little bit more messy (laughs) Uh, but you said you went into it, you know, not expecting him to play week one, week two. Uh, but what is your like line in the sand for like, okay, admitting that this was not, he wasn't, he's not back to what I expected him to be. Is it week six, week eight? I mean, week 10, like what, what time do you hit the panic button on JK Dobbins? If I had to just throw a random number on it, I think week six is probably a good idea, but I think a lot of it has to do with how many games he plays in the early part of the season if you find out he's active week one gets a couple of carries because you're just trying to work him in and then doesn't look great like you're starting to maybe push that timeline forward if you start seeing a progression then in week two week three where he starts to get you know his yards per carry go up his usage starts to go up a little bit then maybe you push that timeline back a little bit um but if you had to just have me throw a random number on it today week six you probably have a good idea of where he's going to be at week six that'd be two weeks after they initially expected him to play he would probably have three four five games under his belt at that point you'll have a good sample size to be able to look at it and say he looks right or he doesn't look right Alrighty, so we'll have to revisit this conversation in week six we have a few more quotes for you that we'll get through a little bit quicker uh saints wide receiver michael thomas he was asked if the 2019 Thomas was still in there after he hasn't played the last two seasons and he quoted himself or he was quoted saying, I'm trying to top that. I'm trying to top it for sure. Um, I mean, if he can come back and be 2019, Michael Thomas, that's, that's huge. Uh, but I look at that more as one of those quotes that like, what else is he supposed to say? Like, no, I'm not that guy yeah. anymore, but I'm still going to be productive. Like, I feel like he has to say that kind of thing. So I'm not like, 
thinking, oh man, Michael Thomas is back or anything. Like I still have to see it to believe it. Uh, so that, that quote, his optimism doesn't change anything for me on Michael Thomas. I'm right there with you. Um, I think he was being undervalued in some leagues, like especially like platforms like NFL.com where he was going undrafted in a lot of things. That's ridiculous. I think that kind of did correct itself in the last few weeks a little bit, but I, that something like that, like it's good to see still as a competitive fire, but it doesn't actually change anything. And I don't really think 2019 Michael Thomas is still there. He could still be very solid, but that was a record breaking season for a wide receiver. So we'll have to see what goes on there. Um, Commanders running back. Brian Robinson was reported this week to be off his crutches. His knee swelling is going down. He actually has a chance to come back after his four weeks on injured reserve. But in the meantime, it's Antonio Gibson's backfield, at least seemingly. And commander's coach Ron Rivera, when asked about his usage of Gibson, he said, I trust him. We're going to give him the football. I have no issue with that. So Ron Rivera seems not concerned with the preseason struggles of Antonio Gibson, but at the same time, that could be another situation of he needed to say that. Yeah, I think there's, you know, a little bit of like he's protecting his guy. Um, but I think we also have to look and see what we saw last year. Like Antonio Gibson has talent. Like, let's not overlook that, but he just hasn't been consistent. He's had his up and down. So have a couple good weeks. So have a couple bad weeks. Like he'll probably finish, you know, as a top 24 running back this season. But it, it'll just it'll be like how Ezekiel Elliott last year finished, I believe, as running back six in half point PPR scoring. Uh, but that was due to injuries and because he was healthy the whole season. But if you looked at his points per game, it was all the way down at 16. I think we might see a little bit of the same thing uh, with Antonio Gibson. He'll play a lot. He'll get a lot of usage. But on a week to week basis, it'll be a hard guy to uh, really evaluate. Yeah, and. Now, especially seeing that some people could have gotten him in the mid to late rounds, depending on when you had your draft, when the whole Brian Robinson hype was happening, you might take that 16th in average points per game running back to kind of, you know, player, at least for the beginning part of the season. Maybe he's somebody you have with J.K. Dobbins and you could throw in there the first few weeks. We don't really know, but that's your running backs. I feel so bad for you. No, I mean, I'm just saying if you have J.K. Dobbins happen to be a running back, too, because you went zero running back, and then late in the draft you added Antonio Gibson, I mean, it's not pretty. But those two with their timelines could mesh together pretty well. If you say Cody's so, going man. to look something up here. I don't I don't know. No, because... I, I, I just don't recall Antonio Gibson being that late of a draft pick. That's During... That's... During that little stretch where it was like a week, week and a half, where we thought that Brian Robinson was had won the job and Antonio Gibson was playing with the special teams. There were t- uh, drafts that Gibson was falling into round eight. Gotcha. Yeah, because I, I guess I just don't remember it because I was you know, seeing RB25, RB25. and the They, they bumped format. him a lot after the Brian Robinson situation. So like. It was it was a stretch in there where we thought he wasn't going to be a starter, and he was falling in some drafts lower than Brian Robinson. But if, if you were before or after that stretch, yeah, you're most likely had to get him in like round five, round four, maybe round six if you're lucky. Gotcha. So if you were yeah. in that sweet spot, is what you're saying? Yes. That I just was not remembering. <laughs> uh, I can complete. I I get what you're saying. Now we're on the yeah. same page. Uh, we got one more quote. <laughs> I believe we have one more quote. It's from Cowboys linebacker Michael Parsons, potential defensive player of the year. Uh, He was on 
talking about Tom Brady as they have the big Sunday night matchup against the Buccaneers this week. He said, you just see his competitive nature. He has that fire inside of him. He looks to kill you. He wants to step on your throat like you a roach. <laughs> That's what you look for in competitors. That's why if you're a real competitor, you look up to Tom Brady. You look up to Kobe Bryant with that Mamba mentality. You look up to Michael Jordan. I wouldn't ask you to do anything I wouldn't do. I mean, Michael Parsons calling Brady a roach or calling himself a roach that he's going to get stepped him on his a, throat. A, a pest control guy? He's, he wants to step on you like a roach? I don't know. <laughs> no, but I, I mean, honestly, you, you don't win that many championships without a certain mentality. I mean, we could argue for days, is Tom Brady like the greatest quarterback of all time? And, you know, I'll say no, he's not. He's the most accomplished, but he's not the best actual quarterback. Um, but you don't get that accomplished without a special mentality. Putting him up there with, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, it takes a special kind of person. Uh, so I don't think there's any, uh, you know, lies about what Michael Parsons saying. It was just the the way that he got his point across that we found so funny and had to include it. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. And we couldn't find any good food quotes this week. So that was the best we got, but I think it was still solid. Um, but that's a nice little welcome back to quotes of the week, but we have football to talk about. Why don't we look at week one? So I hope you guys got a good start to your week from the Thursday night games. If you had anybody in bills Rams, but why don't we get yourself a week one lineup to win the rest of the week. And we'll start off at the week with the one o'clock games. The new Orleans saints are traveling to the Atlanta Falcons. We had a weird discussion. I think on our last episode about quarterbacks, one of the people that I said that I would start over Matt Stafford this week is Jameis Winston. I know if you drafted Matt Stafford as your QB one, you probably rolled with him. I hope it worked out for you, but is there any other situation unless it's like a two quarterback league or maybe a 14 teamer that you would see starting Jameis Winston this week? I mean, I think that's a great question. And honestly, we, we talked about this a little bit on Tuesday's show. Um, normally on week to week, so, you know, we'll go through starters and who we, you know, would rather sit, but on this week's episode, cause you know, you just finished your draft. You should in most part have your, your, guys in order so if you didn't draft Jameis Winston you're probably not going to pick him up to play him um, mm -hmm. unless you drafted somebody that you you didn't like or maybe you just rolled with Kenny Pickett in case he named the starter and you needed a guy then Jameis Winston would be you know a solid start here I do like uh, Jameis Winston if you need him if you're in a deep league uh, maybe he's a little bit cheaper in daily fantasy if you if you're into that kind of thing um, but I think a lot of our conversation today would be about like those flexible guys or if you're two flex leagues or right there on the border, if you took a running back and a wide receiver, some of the guys we like more and more. Um, but for the saints, I think we talked about it a little bit with Michael Thomas. They have Michael Thomas. He's been limited with a hamstring. You still have Jarvis Landry, who is kind of forgotten about that. He's still there. Um, and then you have the rookie Chris Olave. Is it too early to play him in your flex or any of those guys? Uh, in flex consideration for you? And if you had to pick a Saints wide receiver, which one would it be? I feel like the answer should be Michael Thomas, and that's what my gut's telling me. Uh, but I have this weird feeling that Jarvis Landry is going to have a great game too. Um, so I, I think you're probably better off waiting the week, playing somebody else who you drafted higher in that flex spot 
um, in week one, unless you have Michael Thomas. Like, I would not start Olave or Landry yet, but this is going to be a really good benchmark game. It should be a solid offensive game for the Saints and a good matchup to see how those wide receivers are going to shake out. Awesome. And then heading over to the Falcons side, uh, the big injury, um, it's not really an injury, he's just limited, is rookie wide receiver Drake London. Um, but on the Falcons side, you're playing Kyle Pitts. He's in your lineup every week. You're not touching the quarterbacks until something drastic happens. Yes. Um, with Drake London's injury, I, I you probably took him in a potential flexible spot, but this is where you're going to be looking for someone else. Like you want to see him prove it. You took the upside. Uh, go with a solid guy like if you have Adam Thielen or something like that who went a little around the same area even a little bit later. Uh, go a little bit safer. Um, and then I was going to say one more thing, but it completely is it Cordero Patterson? George. Yes, thank you for helping me out there. Uh, Cordero Patterson, uh, <laughs> he was a guy who was going around seven, round eight. So depending on what your draft strategy was, how deep you are. You might need to play him. And this is a, like a perfect example of the guy we're talking about round seven, round eight. Right there, that borderline, if you're in a two-flex league, you might have to play him. If you're in one flex, you probably drafted the guy right before him. And Cordero Patterson, who you're going to go back and forth with. Is Cordero Patterson in your lineup this week? I mean, the Saints defense were was pretty good last year overall, and especially against running backs. Yeah, and I wish we could kind of tell how they were against pass-catching running backs because I'm still expecting Corderell Patterson to mostly just be involved as a pass-catching role. Um, and I like the game script for him because I do not expect Atlanta to have a lead in this game. It's divisional. Anything could happen. But I'm expecting the Falcons to be playing from behind, which is why I do have a little bit of faith that Corderell Patterson could be a flexible option this week. But on top of it, I... I think the more important thing that I'm watching is how do the running back carries shake out? And that could be something that affects the waiver wire next week. Maybe if you're going to use that strategy we were talking about earlier in the week um, with picking up a guy who might be a dart throw, Damian Williams might not be a bad guy to add in case he ends up leading running back carries. Tyler, I did find out it's Algier. So I'm sorry, Cody. Um, but we did say it like seven different ways. So I don't really know if that was right or not the way you said it. Um, it's probably drafted as someone that you can keep. I would not start, but keep an eye on on your roster and say how he performs week one. Um, but to go back to your question, yeah, I think Patterson is a flexible option if you drafted him as a flex, but I would still, I would not force him into your lineup if you have somebody you drafted higher. Awesome. All right. I think that's enough talk for uh, that game. We got a lot more to move on to. So let's move on to, we're going to stay with the NFC South. Uh, with the new quarterback in the Carolina Panthers as they host the Cleveland Browns. Um, big injury news, kind of. McCaffrey has found his way onto the injury report. He was a full participant on Thursday with a shin injury. Uh, so no concern just yet if you are a McCaffrey owner. Um, we're not expecting any quarterbacks from this to be startable, whether it's Jacoby Brissett or Baker Mayfield. Not in love with any of those guys. DJ Moore, he's in your lineup. Um, and then on the Brown side, you're probably playing Amari Cooper based on where you're dropping him, but you, I don't know how much you you like that. But my big question is, um, a guy, and if we're playing the tight end dartboard with the Cleveland Browns, and you completely punted on the position, uh, so you took your tight end when you're taking your kickers in defense. One of the guys mm -hmm. down there was David Njoku a guy that they signed this offseason after he requested a trade and they got him back. Any thoughts on playing him against Carolina? I think 
the Carolina doesn't scare me defensively enough to get away from David and Joku. And maybe I'll play the role of Tyler here in hot takes. I'm almost more comfortable playing David and Joku, maybe because the tight end position has less uh, hype around it too, uh, than Amari Cooper. So, yeah, I mean, I'm cool with throwing that wow. dart out there. I mean, not don't go out there and, you know, go over one of those top eight, top nine tight ends. But if you punted the position and you have just David and Joku or somebody random down the board that is not impressive, yeah, I don't hate that pick. All right, so maybe a sneaky start there with um, David and Joku, but just re- a reminder that they do have um, a decent defense. It's not the best, but with Shaq Thompson in the middle covering some tight ends, it can be limited, and it is still Jacoby Percet. So a guy that you're comfortable with, but you know there might be some better options out there, and you might even need to pick up a, a tight end like David and Joku if you have the starting tight end for the San Francisco 49ers with our next matchup as the San Francisco 49ers head to the Chicago Bears. And that is right. George Kittle is gone his second day without practicing. Are you? It doesn't sound like he's going to play. George, what's your concern level if George Kittle doesn't play? I mean, I think we drafted George Kittle knowing that these were going to be stretches in the year where that happens. I think we didn't expect it to happen week one for sure, but Kittle hasn't played a full season in the last, I want to say, three Um, But when he plays, he's solid. So now you're going to, yeah, go into damage control. You're going to see who's out there on free agency. David Njoku's not an awful play, or I'm sure we'll hit on some other guys as we go down here. Um, But it it, kind of just comes with the territory with George Kittle. This isn't something that's like completely out there and we haven't seen in the past. All right. So my question for you is, uh, and I'll start the conversation. Do you like a guy like, David Njoku or a guy that we heard a little bit from last year and Tyler Croft, who they brought in this year as the backup uh, against the bears who not the best team uh, just being the straight George Kittle replacement. Or do you think there's some other guys out there, maybe even Adam Troutman from the game we talked about earlier. Um, Are you going different way? Are you just going to go with the backup tight end in San Francisco? I would probably go a different way. Um, I'm I mean, with Croft could have a great game, but there's other weapons in San Francisco that are more likely to get a bump as opposed to them just inserting Croft like Kittle and saying go. Uh, yeah, I think I'm with you. I, I would look on the waiver wire uh, if George Kittle k- doesn't go. Um, and then, uh, which is a reminder, make sure you're following the Couch GMs on Twitter uh, because we'll tweet out inactives to help you get your lineups right and set for week one. I uh, will probably also be chatting about those on the discord. So another good reminder for that. Um, but with the George Kittle news, does that concern you at all about where you evaluated Trey Lance uh, and, or Debo Samuel? Like, obviously you're playing Debo Samuel, but are you expecting, you know, maybe a little bit less points? Cause there'll be more focus on him. Um, I yeah, potentially, I don't think it's going to be a significant enough bump because they, they're going to find ways to get Debo Samuel involved it's he's going to be playing out of the backfield. Sometimes they're going to find ways to get him open. I'm not super worried about it when it comes to his standpoint, Trey Lance, he's going to get some points with his legs too. Um, He'll, I think he'll be fine. Also, as much as I'm not a big fan of Trey Lance, like it's, it'll be okay. I think Brandon Ayuk would have to be the one to really step up though. If this offense is going to just jump in without Kittle and run with it, it would be Ayuk. I expect to have a big week, not saying start him. You got to sit and wait with him. 
but somebody to watch maybe potential waiver wire guy next week yeah i mean i'm surprised you're bringing up brandon Ayuk, but i but i like it i uh, i'm then, gonna hate myself for it next week don't worry and i do like that they get to play the <laughs> chicago bears um a team we're not expecting to be very good uh with that said david montgomery he's probably in your lineup you probably draft him too high not to play him yeah uh, cole Komet, i think he's a, he's a solid play uh, George, he's probably somebody out. that you could find on the waiver wire too. That would be a good fill in for a Kittle. He, yeah, I mean, I think he was actually getting drafted in most leagues, so as like a late end flyer. Um, but I do depends think on how he's deep avail- your league is. <laughs> if he's still available, you should just go pick up Cole Komet. He's going to lead their team mm-hmm. in targets. Yeah. Um, and then Darnell Mooney, he's on your bench for me. The 49ers defense is too good. I have to see it with Justin Fields. George is like, give me a weird look like he might prefer. I was going to ask you, but I, I, I was going to ask you, but I know I'm low on Amari Cooper, Amari Cooper or Darnell Mooney. Oh, I'd play Amari Cooper. Okay. All right. That's yeah. it. That's, that's where I would go with that one. Um, I, I, Darnell Mooney just, I think he has potential. Like I'm actually pretty sure I'm starting him in our dynasty league this week. Now, and for I'm in like rebuild mode. So like all my wide receivers are young. So like I'm starting Elijah Moore. I'm starting Darnell Mooney. Like it was a expansion team rebuild. So I have a lot of young pieces, not a lot of solid guys. Um, And if you're, and if you're completely out, you can roll with Darnell Mooney, hoping for that one big touchdown or, you know, getting possibly 10 targets like that. He has that upside, but for me, week one against a good defense, that's why I'm out. That makes sense. Um, and we'll have to see how that goes. If he does have a good week, maybe he starts creeping into every week flex potential category. A um, lot of receivers to talk about on this next team, though, and that's the Pittsburgh Steelers who are traveling to their division rival in the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, so Deontay Johnson, probably not only the safest option on that team, but someone you probably drafted high enough, you're going to play him. Um Chase Claypool, George Pickens, any nope. thoughts on a flex? No? Okay. That's what I was going to go to. Um, Najee Harris in your lineup. Then we can go over to the Bengals side, I guess, where you're definitely starting Higgins, Chase. Any thoughts on a Tyler Boyd? Uh, not in week one. Um, real quick, I do want to go back. Just a reminder, Deontay Johnson has been a limited participant in practice um, with the shoulder, and then he had cramps as well on Thursday. So, uh, expected to play, but he was limited. So make sure you have a close eye on, on that one. On the Bengals side, they have like four tight ends and a wide receiver on injury reserve, or not injury reserve, but on the injury report. Uh, but they're all guys you don't know. Uh, so the big guys that you drafted, they should be okay. Um, but I will ask you: We're expecting a lot out of this. It's going to be a big game. These games are always hard fought. Hayden Hurst. If you need a guy to replace George Kittle, that's going to be the question of the, the each matchup. I feel like it's going to be, do you like Hayden Hurst to replace George Kittle? Um, and if I, I have like to tie that in, we're going to like Hayden Hurst make or- a running list, make a running list on the side of the edit. And we're just going to start inserting tight ends onto the list as we go. So I would put Hayden Hurst below David and Joku okay. um, and still Cole commit at the top if he's available. So awesome. I like that. <laughs> Uh, Joey B, you drafted him to play a quarterback, so he's in there. Um, 
And I think that's it for that matchup. So, George, why don't you kick us off with your second favorite team and where they're going and who we should play? I think I did some adjusting here. You can see more Eagles gear in my background now. So they're my favorite team. Thank you, Cody. Um, Eagles traveling to the Detroit Lions. Miles Sanders is a full participant in practice. He's going to be a full go this week. I know that he's kind of a sketchy running back, but depending on what platform you drafted on, you probably drafted him to at least be your flex or maybe your running back too. He'd probably be in your lineup. Detroit shouldn't be too bad of a matchup for them. Um, and we'll just kind of try to get a gauge as the game goes on and how the Eagles are going to use their running back committee because there's no chance that Miles Sanders gets every single carry. It's just not how they operate. Um, A.J. Brown's in your lineup. Jalen Hurts in your lineup. Devontae Smith is a great question. Where are you at on flexibility for Devontae Smith? I mean, I think he's definitely flexible for sure. Possibly a wide receiver too. Like I, you probably, I, I don't know if you were, if your team specifically would have drafted two Eagles, but you probably, there's a good chance that you could have came away from your draft with where they were going with Miles Sanders and Devontae Smith. And if I was debating my flex position, I would pick Devonta Smith. Okay. I am still a little bit sketched out about the pass catchers behind AJ Brown in that offense, just because I don't know if Jalen hurts can support three. And I'm still someone who thinks Dallas Goddard's going to be locked into a role. He's going to have, you know, some spots. So that's why I'm a little worried about Devonta Smith, but there's a good chance that Smith and Brown both have thousand yard seasons and Goddard's not far behind. So it could end up being all three. Uh, I might feel more confident after week one and we see it, but that's why I was asking you about Devonte Smith in that situation. Um, I think that covers all the Eagles. We can move over to the Lions side where it's not as clear after DeAndre Swift, who's definitely playing. Amra St. Brown was probably their first wide receiver taken. He is probably in your flex, but is there any concerns going against the Eagles now revamped secondary? Um, I think... I can understand the concerns with Amra St. Brown, um, but looking back to last year, I don't have the stats in front of me. Uh, so my apologies out there, but Warren Sharp put out something great on Twitter. I'll try to find it and maybe retweet it from the couch DMs. Uh, but he's like on a record pace for the amount of targets he's received in his first amount of games. And I think if he gets 12 targets this game, he like breaks the record. So using last year, I know they're getting Swift back. I know they're getting TJ Hawkinson back. But what we've seen of how they used them and how well that team like started to like come to life at the end of the season, I think you have to roll Amra out there and just hope that he is going to get the targets. Yes, the Eagles are a solid secondary, um, so it's, it might not be an easy day. The Lions might struggle. Uh, I know they're the hard knocks team. A lot of people are like buying into the hype that this team could be around 500. Um, and the Eagles are the the team of destiny. Everyone's picking them to be the number one seed or win the Super Bowl or, you know, because of all their offseason moves. But they still have to put it all together. Uh, football's not won on paper. So I think Amra St. Brown should be in your lineups. The Eagles destroyed the Lions last year, and I went to check the stats because I was curious how Amra did. He had three catches for 46 yards, but that's also because TJ Hawkinson was still in the lineup. It was right before that Amra breakout and had 10 catches for 89 yards did uh, TJ Hawkinson. So I have no concerns rolling out TJ Hawkinson in this case. I think the Eagles linebackers still probably could be a little susceptible to the tight end. And I'm still would probably roll out Amra, like you said. Um, but I think that can pretty much wrap up that game. We can move on to 
the Indianapolis Colts traveling to the Houston Texans in a divisional battle. We'll start with the Texans. We did not spend a lot of time talking about the Texans last year. And now we're in an interesting situation where maybe if you drafted late, Damian Pierce is somebody that you drafted as an actual starter in your lineup somewhere. I know in Yahoo in these last two weeks, he was going as early as round three or four, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. But if you did that, are you confident enough to start him against a tough Colts defense? Well, you're starting him because of opportunity. Like they don't really have much behind him now that Marlon Mack, he won, he got caught and then he was released on the practice squad. So I'm going to compare this to, and I'm using Snyder as an example, because he's the lowest of the three of us on Najee Harris. When you watch him, you just didn't see a lot, you know, it didn't, didn't look great, but he got so many opportunities that he still was a top fantasy option. And I think that's what people are expecting from Damian Pierce. Um, and every year there's a late round running back that pops off. And right now the clear answer appears to be Damian Pierce. He hasn't done anything in the regular season. Um, if you took him that early, absolutely. You're starting him. Uh, and if you took him late and you have some availability to flex him out or not, or, you know, maybe you want to put him up there over a Miles Sanders who you took earlier, who we just talked about, who's still dealing with, he's full participant, but he did have the hamstring injury and you want to see how that backfield shakes up. Like, I think you can play Damian Pierce on opportunities alone. Um, again, it's not going to be a guy. I feel like he, I'll put it this way. He's a guy that I'm pretty confident that he will get you at least eight points every week. But the, it'll be far and few between on the weeks that he gets you more than 16 to 18. Uh, so, like, you have that sweet spot of him. And when you need a number two running back or a flex option, getting consistent points is sometimes an asset compared to taking like a high risk, high reward, um, especially in week one when there's so much unknown. So I do like playing Damian Pierce. Okay. I think that's a good way to put it. So even if you drafted him, okay, so I, okay, I'm in this situation. I'll have you uh, help me set my lineup. I am somebody who drafted JK Dobbins as a flex and also drafted Damian Pierce later in the draft. Are you confident enough to roll Pierce in that flex, or would you go with one of my receivers, which would be Elijah Moore or Amra St. Brown? Um, So it's really tough for me. That's right in that sweet zone between Amra St. Brown and Damian Pierce for me. Um, and I think I would – now, I am a wide receiver guy. Our scoring is half-point PPR – uh, so I always think your flex should be a wide receiver. That's just how I play fantasy football. I don't like playing three running backs. Um, with that said, though, because of the opportunity, uh, what we've seen or what we expect out of Damian Pierce, I would probably go with Pierce. But I do think there is something to how much the expectations have changed for Damian Pierce that, like, we could walk away from week one going either Damian Pierce was the steal of fantasy, like it's a cheat code or like he's the biggest bust on because of how fast he rose. And if you don't want to be a part of the biggest bust, roll with Amra St. Brown. I think they're very close, uh, but I would give the edge to Damian Pierce. Yeah. I'm just worried that a lot of people have such high expectations on Pierce. Now that if he scores the eight to 10 points, like you're talking about, they're going to view it as a bust because of how high the expectations were, but really that's what you should be expecting. Let's move on to the Colts side really quick before we move on from this game. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, you're definitely not playing him. You're, you're, you're playing him. 
Um, and Michael Pittman as well. Anybody else on that team? No, but I will give you two names. Uh, Paris Campbell uh, might be a guy to watch as, or maybe a late round flyer. He's a guy that might be a potential pickup. Um, and then Nico Collins for the Houston Texans, two wide receivers, just to keep your names on that could hit the waiver wires if they pop off this week. Uh, but in terms of starters, I think we hit them all. Cool. So we can move on then to another divisional game, but in a different division. We're going to the AFC East with the Patriots facing off against the Miami Dolphins. This probably has not looked like a good matchup in the past, but here we are. Dolphins revamped team Patriots, kind of a little bit of a sleeper, but I'll start with them because we're not very confident on any of their receivers. I know I'm not confident enough to start any of them in week one, but I'm keeping an eye out to see if anybody stands out. Are you saying anything different? Nope. I, I'm right there with you. And then I think the another one of the running back questions of the last few weeks was Damian Harris versus Ramondre Stevenson. Any idea who to play week one, both, neither. Do you have a favorite right now? Yes, I have a favorite. It's Ramondre. Okay. Um, and I think it definitely favors him if you're in a full point PPR, or half point PPR format. Uh, but I do think Damian Harris could still be like the goal line guy. He could get you some carries. So if you're more in a standard league, I think Damian Harris would have the slight edge. Um, it's a very interesting backfield, their decisions. Uh, I don't love starting either of them, but if I had to pick one, it'd be Ramondre Stevenson. Okay. That is probably different than a lot of people drafted, so I'm glad we got that one out there. And don't completely panic on Damian Harris yet. He still has a lot of talent. He still has a good chance to steal some carries on a weekly basis. We're just looking at the dreaded running back by committee, which is also probably going to be the case in Miami. So Chase Edmonds appears to be the guy. He's going to be the number one. I'm a fan of Raheem Mostert as a flyer. Not that I play in week one, but... Even Chase Edmonds was drafted a little bit later than a lot of starting running backs. Flexible option in week one, or what are you thinking? Yeah, I think he's flexible, depending on where you got him. But I'm probably the biggest fan of the three of us on Chase Edmonds. I think he mm -hmm. has potential. Um, I think he has pass catching. He has, you know, he has a little bit of power to him. He has some breakaway speed uh, that I think he will be a – very good running back in the Kyle Shanahan, Mike McDaniel uh, zone offense or zone scheme offense. So I really like Chase Edmonds. Um, so I think he could be started. You might have some guys ahead of him that you don't have to force him in your lineup. But if you went no running back strategy and you have Chase Edmonds as RB2, like I don't think you should feel bad about it. Good advice. And I want to add two more tight ends to the tight end discussion from this game. Hunter Henry. Mike Gusecki, where would you put him first off? Yikes. Um, Cole Komet is still leading the list for me. Okay. Um, I would like to make a note here. I have one on my computer right now. So currently we have it. Cole Komet, David Nchoku, Hayden Hurst. Mm -hmm. um, I think I would go Cole Komet, which I think we're going to differ because I think you would keep David Njoku there. Um, but I think I'd put both. I'd put Hunter Henry above David Njoku just because on touchdown upside. Yep. Um, Mike Gusecki, on who I think Mike Gusecki is, it, he would probably be right there as like 1B. 
but because mm-hmm. of all the weird reporting and them not like you know he doesn't run block well enough to like be on the field um and all that weird reporting around how he looked this offseason has me a little bit concerned but i think i'd still put him ahead of david and joku uh so i would put him right behind cole Komet, and then i would go uh hayden hurst not hayden hurst he was last hunter henry and double h's and then Gusecki followed by Njoku, Hayden Hurst. Okay. Um, so I'm still going. I'm going to put him right below, uh, put Gusecki right below Njoku. Um, so I think it's just those two that are flipped for us. Um, yeah, that, I that don't was like it. What was that? I said, yeah, that was that was a tough one. Yeah, that is tough. Hopefully I just don't, don't like Gusecki because they even were like shopping him in the trade market. Like it doesn't seem like he fits the scheme they want to run with this new coach new offense, new weapons, even though he is a very talented tight end. It just kind of stinks that he's tough. He's stuck in a tough situation now. For sure. Um, but I think that wraps it up. We got two more one o'clock games. So let's hit those. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens, we talked a lot about with the running backs. Uh, so we'll keep that one uh, pretty short as they go to face the New York jets with Joe Flacco. We talked about that at the top of the show too. Uh, but with the Ravens, Mark Andrews, definitely in your lineup. Lamar is definitely in your lineup. Rashad Bateman, are you playing him at all in your flex? Uh, if you drafted him as a flex, yeah, you're probably confident enough. You most likely draft him as like your first or second bench spot with where he was going. Wouldn't force him in your lineup. Awesome. And then in terms of running back, let's say J.K. Dobbins doesn't go. Mm-hmm. Do you like Mike Davis or Kenyon Drake? Kenyon Drake. Okay. We're on the same board or same page yeah. there. Um, the Jets, they're still dealing with injuries along the offensive line. They brought in Dwayne Brown to replace Makai Becton, and he is now on the injury report with a shoulder injury. Uh, so hopefully that can, you know, make some – he can get back and playing because they've had some struggles along the offensive line. Um, we said at the top of the show, if you have Michael Carter or Brees Hall, whichever one you're confident in, uh, I would say you can play Brees Hall. Some will say you can play Michael Carter. Uh, but – just know it's going to be probably a 50-50 split to start. Think Melvin Inc., Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams from last year. They both had their weeks. They both had their down weeks. But at the end of the year, they're pretty split. That's how I see this. This at least how it's going to start, in my opinion. Um, and then I told you that the, the guy I was liking was Elijah Moore if you needed a flex option. But you should have some other uh, people available this season or a- after the draft that you don't have to force them in your lineup. I have nothing really to differ with you there. Um, I'm also team Brees Hall instead of Michael Carter. I just don't see Brees Hall with his talent, you know, being stuck behind. I don't want to say stuck behind, you know, he's going to win carries for Michael Carter as the season goes on. It's just going to be tough the first few weeks, I think. Um, But I can move on to the last one o'clock. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it just, it always, when I ever think about Brees Hall and the Michael Carter debate, I always think back to the draft and I know we're a long way away from April when this happened. But the Jets, they had three first-round picks, and they tried to trade back into the first round to get Brees Hall. They were ecstatic when he fell to them. So a guy that they like that much, I just have a hard time seeing them not getting him on the field as quickly as possible. Exactly. And and then Michael Carter ends up another one of those guys who's maybe not like the athletic monster, but he's a very solid you know, running back in the system that now is just stuck in a bad situation. And good handcuff, not really going to be super relevant otherwise i don't think um but we can move on to one final one o'clock game the jacksonville jaguars traveling to the washington commanders we talked about the commanders running back situation i think gibson 
you most likely draft him as your, in your starting lineup. He should probably be in that lineup to start the season. But the Jaguars running backs are who I want to talk about because I've always been cap- reminding you guys of James Robinson all offseason. He is now expected to play week one. And who knows how how healthy he is, how much he's going to play, because he's still coming back from the Achilles injury. But does that hit at all into ETN's value? Nope. I know you've been a lot higher on James Robinson than I've been. All I've been on the ETN train, and I'm going to ride or die the ETN train. Uh, not not ride or die, because I'm not going to like take ETN to my grave. But I think ETN is going to be... They're one of their top pass catching options. He's going to be their main running back and Achilles injuries are just so hard to come back from. I know. And we're seeing players do it in record time, but we're seeing players not be themselves for a while after Cam Akers. He came back in record time. He couldn't even average two yards of carry in all the work he got last year. And he's still not 100% going into, I mean, he played well, I assume he played last night because he wasn't ruled out prior to the game. Um, (laughs) Your argument but is going it, to be helped or hurt by what happened in a game that we didn't see yet. Correct. and But I, I do think he will struggle a little bit uh, to start the season, and it could be another year till he's fully back to uh, as full strength as going to get because you can never fully recover from a torn Achilles and get back to what you were before. Uh, same with James Robinson, a guy that was, you know, he had some, he wasn't the most explosive to begin with. Uh, so to lose some explosiveness, um, he might steal the touchdown here and there around the goal line as the season progresses. Uh, but that just would require the Jags to score a lot of touchdowns. Um, but I, I Travis Etienne, you draft him, you're playing him. Uh, no problem. James Robinson, him being back or expected to play in some role doesn't scare me at all. Okay. I mean, especially in these first few weeks, I'm with you. If we see James Robinson get a couple carries and look good, I think it's it'd be dumb for the Jaguars to not play him around the goal line, to not play him on third and short, that kind of idea. So maybe it does take some hit into ETN's value at some point. But the nice thing is most of us are playing in half PPR or PPR at this point, and ETN's a pass catcher. So I don't see too much of an issue with his value. I've really come back towards the norm throughout the offseason, but I still think James Robinson's going to have a piece of the offense. Um, I, I anyway, want to give you... Be- good. For you... Before you move on to the commanders, I do want to just say, if you have Christian Kirk, this is a plus matchup. Um, and he might be a guy you want, especially if you're in like a full point PPR or half point PPR, you might want to squeeze into your lineup. Like he's going to be their top pass catching option to think Christian Kirk, the amount of money they paid him won't leave the game with, you know, 10 plus 12 plus targets um, against this commander's team. Who's missing chase young. Like they're not the best in the secondary. They have some pieces, but they're not a full on completed secondary. Uh, so I think uh, Christian Kirk is like a sleeper in, you know, who you can be in your flex and definitely a guy you could target in daily fantasy. I like that. I was actually going to talk about two other tight ends add onto our list. Uh, Evan Ingram, Logan Thomas. Ooh, you know, I love Logan Thomas, former yeah. 90 overall. <laughs> NCAA AA 14 quarterback for the Virginia Tech Hokies, um, which had a delay in their game last week because coaches got stuck in the elevator. So we've now seen it all. But back to the question with the tight ends, uh, Logan Thomas, he's probably last on my list, despite how much I love him, just because he missed so much time with injury in the mm-hmm. preseason. Like, um, if you want to put him right above Hayden Hurst, feel free. 
Uh, but he's like, he's down there. Like I'm not really looking at him. He's probably on a roster, but I don't trust him week one. And then um, Evan Ingram, he's probably like right above Logan Thomas for me. They're still near the bottom. Like I know they gave him like, well, it's a $10 million for one year of uh, their overpaying everybody. Yeah, they were. Maybe, you know, if anyone's going to revive him, it could be Doug Peterson. We've seen what he's done with some tight ends and he could be a security blanket, but that would require him to not drop the ball as well. So my Evan Ingram is, I'll say it this way. Like he's a guy you can keep your name on. If he comes away being the target leader, like that might be a waiver ad next week, but for this week or, you know, what I'm expecting, I'm out. I'm right there with you, but I know it's a, a guy with a bunch of hype and a guy who has been fantasy relevant in the past. That's why I had to throw their two names out there. Um, also on the commander side, like we said, we're probably starting Terry McLaurin. We're starting Antonio Gibson. I think that pretty much wraps up that team. Well, we got to anything talk- else to add. Oh, um, I do want to add Jahan Dotson. Okay. A rookie. They drafted in the top. They drafted what seventeenth overall. Um, I one. I was going to give a shout out to. Uh, I was listening to the Fantasy Footballers podcast, another fantasy football podcast, which you've definitely heard of them because they're the number one sports podcast in the world. But uh, they did their bold predictions episode this past week, just like we did. Um, and the one was that Jahan Dotson is going to have more top fifteen finishes or the same amount of top fifteen finishes as. Terry McLaurin and the more I thought about it the more I'm like you know what that's a bold prediction that I actually think might come true we've heard all the buzz about Jahan Dotson um so we talked about him if he's not available if he's available like go go add him before Sunday as a guy that could be you know the number one target is still Carson Wentz so there will be some inconsistency but not saying put him in your lineup but I did just want to re-hit on uh what we talked about on Tuesday if Jahan Dotson's available he should be a guy that you're you're making a last minute ad to get ahead of the waivers. I like it. He's somebody that I actually started adding as a late round flyer in a couple of my late drafts here at the end of the draft season. But now we're on four o'clock. So we started off with the New York Giants traveling to the Tennessee Titans. Um, return of Derrick Henry to the lineup shouldn't be a problem. Uh, Robert Woods is somebody you drafted late that I really like in a plus matchup. Do you kind of put him up there with the Christian Kirk or are you just waiting to see because he was injured and coming off that injury? I, if I had to pick between Kirk and, and Robert Woods, I would probably pick Kirk based on the matchups. It's still a good matchup for, uh, Robert Woods, but I think he's a guy that you could throw in your flex that you probably got a little bit later. Um, maybe he was your flex. If you took a quarterback and a tight end early, uh, but he's projected to be the number one guy. Uh, I know there's been some rumblings. They have a lot planned for Traylon Burks, but he has to prove it to me uh, before he goes anywhere near my lineup. And the number one option on a team, you, you'd think you'd feel pretty confident starting uh, week one. So I, I think Robert Woods is a, a sneaky name that you could add into your lineup. Um, but outside of him and Derrick Henry, I think the Titans – have potential to be a good team this year. I did know I picked them not to make the playoffs after they didn't win their division uh, in our prediction show last week. Uh, but I still think they're going to be right there fighting for it. And it's a good team, but those are the only two guys in fantasy I'm looking at for week one. And the only guy in the giants is Saquon Barkley. Yes. And I will say, cause I've, he's been like my Jahan Dotson. Um, 
is their former first round pick from last year, Kadarius Tony. Same thing. If he's available, Brian Dayball is now the head coach. Used to coach for the Chicago or the Buffalo Bills, not the Chicago Bears. Thank God. Uh, he coached for the Buffalo Bills. If Kadarius Tony could come in and be like the Stephon Diggs role, I'm not saying Kadarius Tony is anywhere near as talented or as good as what Stephon Diggs currently is, but that would be where I think he could end up. Um, I know they still have Galladay. Shepard's supposed to still be there. So there's a lot of options, but the guy in New York I like is Tony. So maybe another potential late ad. We're giving you a lot, so you can't pick them up, all of them up, unfortunately. Uh, so go with the guys that you like the best, but I wanted to throw him out there. I like it. I mean, I'm not a fan of Tony, but if anybody on that wide in that wide receiver room is going to break out, it's definitely him, and it's definitely not Kenny Galladay. So we can move on then to our next game. It is the Kansas City Chiefs going to the Arizona Cardinals. Solid matchup here. Um, I'll start off with the Cardinals because somebody that we talked about not a ton after the first few weeks in the draft season was Marquise Brown. So I no problem starting him in week one or even most of the first six weeks without DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to. Like, there's just so many injuries to the pass catchers. Like, Hopkins is suspended. Zach Ertz isn't practicing. Rondo Moore is limited in practice uh, on Thursday after practicing on Wednesday. So he tweaked his hamstring in practice or during training on between Wednesday and Thursday. So I think Hollywood Brown and yes, Kyler Murray and him played together at Oklahoma. So it's not like it's a brand new guy. Like there's a reason that Hollywood wanted to go to Arizona. So I think you can play him. I think he's a solid flex option. Um, and then this is going to sound crazy. And I hate that I say I'm going to say this, but with all the injuries, if you're in a super deep league or you need a really cheap guy in daily fantasy and they, you know, they're going to have to score points to keep up with the chiefs. I'm AJ green. Spit take. I haven't heard that name since last year. Yeah. Cause I forgot he was still in the league. So that's where we're at Pretty with AJ green, but he, <laughs> Right now, it's going to be him and Hollywood Brown. And if you remember back to last year, A.J. Green did have, you know, a couple of good games early in the season, you know, when he was fresh, mm-hmm. ready to go. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. If you're in a deep league, you know, you know, if you're in one of those two running back through wide receiver double flex leagues, like you might be struggling to find guys. Um, if 14 team, 16 team, like you might be struggling to find guys if you had some injuries or drafted too early. I'm not saying run out and get there, but if you need a guy in a pinch or like I said, super cheap and daily, daily fantasy that a lot of people probably won't have, uh, it wouldn't be surprised me if AJ green, you know, you know, leaves the game with five catches and a touchdown. So that's what we're talking about. We're talking, you know, 13 points. Like that's what I'm saying for AJ green. So not saying he's going to go out there and be a world beater, but potential. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I could definitely see it. And I, he could end up being in that borderline, you know, relevant guy until DeAndre Hopkins comes back. But once that happens, I don't see there being enough space in that offense for him. Or even with Rondale Moore, hopefully coming back and, you know, being more relevant after he doesn't tweak his hamstring in practice. Uh, Chiefs side, I have two quick things to talk about. First, the running backs. Any chance you're starting Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I'm ass- he still seems to be lining up as the starter. Oh, you probably have to like, I mean, this is a guy who was going in round six or seven. So unless you took four running backs, 
you're probably considering, and I think you have to roll with it. You're not going to feel great until you see him play um, because of the emergence of Isaiah Pacheco. They kept Ronald Jones after they thought that they might cut him. They still have Jarek McKinnon for a potential pass catching. It's messy, and Andy Reid already doesn't like the running backs, but if you had to pick one, I think it has to be Clyde Edwards-Alaire. And again, if you look back to early season last year, three of his best games came in the first four weeks last season. So he started out strong and then sizzled off at the end. So hopefully he can recapture some of that uh, beginning the seeds and magic that he had last year. And then wide receivers, they have a bunch. I know the only person that I would think about starting this week is Juju. Any different? Yeah, you're probably uh, you're probably starting him. He is on the injury report, but he's been a full participant with the knee injury. Um, the only other guy, and this would just be a daily fantasy start, not in a, like a redraft or anything like that, would be MBS because of the big playability. Um, he might be able, you know get you a 70 yard touchdown and some, a couple catches or something like that. So MVS has a potential daily fantasy. If you want a part of the chiefs offense for cheap, but other than that, I think Juju's the only guy realistically. And honestly, you probably have better options too, which is kind of crazy to think that there's a lot better options out there than the top two pass catching options for the chiefs uh, at the wide receiver position, because Travis Kelsey, although he might start to take a step back here this year because of his age is still the guy that's the tr- number one for now. Yeah, I mean, it's very possible, but uh, I think that pretty much wraps up Chiefs Cardinals. So we got to get moving here. We have four more games here, and I think we're going a little long on time. Uh, Las Vegas Raiders to are traveling to the Los Angeles Chargers. I think the only person I have a real question of on the Raiders side is Hunter Renfro. Like, you're, you're starting Josh Jacobs most likely with where you drafted him. You're definitely starting Devontae Adams. But Hunter Renfro, where are you yep, at? you play him. You're gonna play him, okay? Even I, mean, I like the Chargers Hunter... should be a tough defense. Yeah, but it's not like it's a and... positive matchup. Yeah, but I guess if just based on pure out- output, where do you have him compared to Darren Waller? Um, I mean, I'm someone who thinks he could pass Darren Waller in output. So yeah, if you're saying it that way, yeah, he should be a starter. Yeah, I mean, I have, I think, I don't think he could. I think he has passed Darren Waller as the number two pass catching behind Devontae Adams. Um, and the Chargers are a good defense. It is divisional, but it's also week one. We could see some high scoring. They're both decent offenses, and you can't sleep on the Raiders either. So, and Derek Carr loves Hunter Renfro in the red zone. So I think Hunter Renfro, definitely flexible option, if not a wide receiver two option. Okay. I mean, maybe wide receiver two is a little bit far for me, but hey, that you, however your team was drafted, I think that's a good way to go with it with Hunter Renfro. I think the Chargers are going to be a very straightforward team with who you're playing in fantasy every single week. It's Justin Herbert. It's Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams. Um, anybody else? Or I think that's going to be basically the core four for them most of the year. Yeah, just keep an eye on um, Gerald Everett and Donald Parham Jr. to see if any of those two tight ends – can join the dartboard as the season progresses. But in terms of who we're starting each week, yep, those are the guys. All right. I'll let you talk a little bit about your Green Bay Packers then as they travel to the Minnesota Vikings, our last 4 o'clock game. Awesome. All right, the final 4 o'clock game and the one that 98% of America is going to see on regular TV is the Packers at the Vikings. I'll cover the Packers quick. Their injury report is quite long, and there's a lot of question marks. Um, 
The big one is Alan Lazard. He hasn't been practicing with uh, – Matt LaFleur said he got stepped on. It was listed as an ankle, so we'll see uh, what that means. Um, Robert Tunyon, he's a tight end that I really like. If he's out there, I think he can be playing. Uh, he's been a limited participant coming off the ACL injury, but we'll see if that's more of just for serving him for game day or if he's still not 100% ready to go. Uh, Sammy Watkins is a guy I do like. It's week one. Sammy Watkins always does have, you know, solid games in week in one. Week so one I think, specifically, yeah. I think you can pick him up and play him in your flex if you need a guy uh, for some reason. So I do like Sammy Watkins this week. Um, then the two tackles, you know, Elton Jenkins and David Bakhtiari, both coming off of knee injuries, uh, have been limited participation, uh, pretty much haven't done much. So, Will they play? Will they not play? Or with a shaky offensive line, it could, you know, limit the amount of touches for like an AJ Dillon. I think you have to be that would be a a big aspect. I think Aaron Jones with his pass catching ability will be involved every week. Um, but with the injury concerns of the offensive line, I think AJ Dillon could take a little bit of a dip. Uh, but that's pretty much the Packers. Like until we know more answers or who's actually gonna play. Uh, like I said, they probably one of the biggest injury reports. I think it's like 13 people on it heading into week one, which is great. Uh, but it's typical Packers, really. Only thing I can say is if Alan Lazar doesn't go, Sammy Watkins is a really good sneaky pick. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you there. He would be the next guy up on that um, depth chart for me, not the rookies. And we don't even really know if the rookies are going to play for sure um, or how much they're going to play. Uh, but I can move us on to the Viking side. Kirk Cousins, not a bad quarterback play. If you're someone who punted on quarterbacks, you probably drafted him as that quarterback if you punted. Um, even though the matchup's not fantastic, he's a guy that's pretty consistent regardless, as long as it's not a primetime game, which it is not. Uh, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen uh, is somebody who I like as that borderline flex. Um, he's actually probably one of my favorite flexes because I think people have been kind of forgetting about it because he didn't have a mind-blowing season like he has in the past but he's always been a consistent guy um justin jefferson obviously drafted him in the first round he's in um irv smith adding him to that tight end list anywhere near the top yeah right behind cole commit so it's cole commit irv smith and then the yep. field kind of and you All could right. put a gap between the field yeah okay and then we have two more games we'll go to sunday night football we talked a little bit about this game earlier the buccaneers and the dallas cowboys I don't even know where to start here. The Cowboys, Zeke, you probably drafted him to have to play him. I don't you, love you it. You drafted Zeke in the third round. We we weren't high on Zeke, so we're not going to love it. But you drafted him to play it, play him, yeah. and you're going to have to do it. Um, CeeDee Lamb, he's in your lineup. Uh, I think it's too early. We talked a lot about Jalen Tolbert. I think it's too early to put him in this lineup. We don't expect Michael Gallup. Dalton Schultz, uh, he was a top five tight end for me in my rankings. Uh, so I definitely like him this week. Uh, and I think that's the pretty much the Cowboys. It's still too early. There's still better options than Tony Pollard. He's more of a handcuff role. He's not your, in my opinion, quite there yet. I think you will have some value. Uh, but I'm very similar to like a Naeem Hines. I think some games will be big, but it won't be used on a consistent basis. Uh, whereas like an A.J. Dillon and Kareem Hunt, I think they'll be, you know, a little bit more regularly utilized as number two committee options that can be startable in fantasy yeah i've actually heard way too many people over hyping him 
in you know on social media this week they're like he could run some routes out of the slot he could be a really good pass catcher there's so many weapons in dallas that they're most likely going to use weapons that are actually natural wide receivers as opposed to trying to spotlight a running back playing wide receiver so i'm not in on him this week but i do think tony pollard could be somebody who is relevant at times throughout the season uh, and then on the Buccaneers side, it's important to note that Chris Godwin is a full participant in practice. He is actually on track to play this week. Um, you probably got a good value on Chris Godwin. Um, I probably feel confident enough to start him right away. Do you? Nope. No. Okay. I don't. I, I mean, it, if so, let's put it this way. If I had to bet on guys coming off of injuries, so if I'm looking there, you know, J.K. Dobbins, if he goes versus Chris Godwin, I'd go Chris Godwin. If it's between in my flex spot, Miles Sanders and Chris Godwin, I'd go Chris Godwin. So there is opportunities where I would play Chris Godwin. Um, but because of the value, I would like to wait and see. He tore his ACL late last season. He's making incredible time, which is great. Um, but he's also a guy that, you know, uses his explosiveness. He's, you know, middle of the field kind of guy. He does have the big playability. Um, and I just kind of have to see it to believe it. And then also, um, with all the injuries that the Buccaneers have had along their offensive line, I am actually a little bit worried for the Buccaneers and more importantly, Tom Brady with the pass rush of Micah Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence, the guys they have in the middle uh, that can actually go out there and cause some havoc, uh, that this might not be the best game for Tom Brady. He did miss 11 games. Uh, so I'm actually fading the Tampa Bay Buccaneers players just a little bit um, until I can see that offensive line hold up. Interesting. Okay. Um, and then when, when you say faded, you're not meaning like you're benching Mike Evans. You're absolutely you're not, not. No, no. It's like just temper expectations a little bit, but you're, you got to play those guys that you drafted in those spots, especially right. like, I, like, I don't love, like you're, you're still going to play Leonard Fournette because of where you draft him. I don't love it. Um, Chris Godwin, I'd prefer to take the wait and see approach. There's no tight ends I would add to our list here, whether that be Kyle Rudolph or Kate Otten or Cameron Brait. Like there's just too many other names. Russell Gage, he hasn't been there all preseason, so I'm not forcing him into the lineup. There's just a lot of uncertainty around the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that like mm -hmm. as much as I can, I'd like to see, you know, what this team is going to look like, what it might be. Will they struggle in week one? Um, Tom Brady, he's another guy. You know, you draft him late in the draft, so you're probably you picked him to play. Uh, but it is a good matchup against the Cowboys with their and how they like to get turnovers, but they do give up big plays too. So um I would say, you know, he's right on the you know, the teeter if you have a Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, Jamison Winston or Jameis Winston, not Jameson, that are like still <laughs> available out there. Like I wouldn't I'd be okay with popping out Tom Brady just because of, um, you know, maybe I'm a little bit too, you know, talking him down because we know Tom Brady primetime week one, he'll probably come and ball out because that's just what he does. But if there was going to be a start of a downfall for Tom Brady, you have to think it would be against a good team with a poor offensive line, turning 45, missing 11 days in training camp. So there's just a lot of uncertainty around the Buccaneers for me. Okay, I like it. I mean, it's very good advice, and we'll have to see how that breaks out. And if he has a good week one, then maybe we're not worried about Tom Brady the rest of the year. If he has a bad week one, maybe we ought to keep an eye on those Buccaneers. But 
We can move on Monday Night Football, last game of the week, and it's Russell Wilson returning to the Seattle Seahawks. It's Denver Broncos, Seattle Seahawks. Um, I'll start with the Seahawks because it should be pretty quick. Uh, you're starting DK Metcalf. I'm not touching Tyler Lockett until I see something. I'm not, really not touching a lot of players on that team. But somebody who I think is a good start just this week because Kenneth Walker may not play, or even if he does play, could be limited, is Rashad Penny. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think as long as Kenneth Walker is not playing, then you can play Rashad Penny. The downside is, is this is the Monday night game, and we might not know that answer until uh, Monday night or Monday morning if Kenneth Walker will play. Maybe he'll get ruled out earlier. Um, But, you know, just like on Thursday, we talk about getting your Thursday night players out of your flex spot. Make sure your Monday night players are in your flex. So if you're going to flex Rashad Penny and he's not available and you can, you know, throw in someone else that might be playing on the Broncos or the Seattle Seahawks, you can do that. So one of those guys that could be somebody has sneaky value. I know you mentioned him last week is KJ Hamler. I think he's probably the guy that's most available that has the best chance to have a good game on Monday night. If you are somebody that's rolling the dice with Penny and then it doesn't work out. Is there anybody else you can think of, or is it just Hamler? Um, I think so. I think Hamler is like a guy that you like you would add, and I don't know if I'd feel confident throwing him right in my lineup. Um, but if you had to pick someone up, that would probably be the guy. But if you know, if you have Rashad Penny, and let's say, oh man, there's not a lot of great options to throw into your flex, but maybe you were debating Rashad Penny and Melvin Gordon. Like that's an easy swap to Melvin Gordon. You probably are going to play yeah. him anyways. Yeah. Um, but that was you probably one. drafted Jerry Judy high enough that he's a wide receiver too. Yeah, Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton, they're both drafted high enough. Um yeah. the title you don't please tell me you don't have Rashad or Rashad Penny and uh Tyler Lockett on your team because that's you're in for a, a side. I still might roll Rashad Penny. <laughs> but if you found out Kenneth Walker is playing. I still might roll Rashad Penny. <laughs> all right. Um yeah, so I think KJ Hamler, he'd be the big upside guy that you could, you know, potentially come in and get a deep touchdown or something like that. So I probably would agree yeah. KJ Hamler is the guy and there's probably not anyone else, but at least he's out there and he's an option. Uh, so if you have some of those guys, um, but I might even still roll Rashad Penny with a limited Kenneth Walker too, just because what we saw with last season with him. So uh, it, I guess it depends. Do you need 10 points to win or do you need 20 points to win? If you need 20 points, go with the high flyer and KJ Hamler. I think that is a good way to wrap that up. And we will keep you updated on our social media channels with some of those injury updates like that Monday night one. Cause obviously we're going to know more on Sunday morning than we know now when Monday night football injury reports are very, very not specific on a Thursday. Absolutely. Um, like I mentioned, be sure to be, checking out our Twitter. Uh, We might be doing some other stuff throughout the season to help you guys with injury updates and all that information. So make sure you're checking out all our social media channels. You're locked into our website. You're joining us on discord because this podcast is more fun for you and more fun for us when you get involved. And as always, thanks for listening. 
Thank you, Cody. And yes, it is more fun for us and more fun for you when you get involved. Thank you all one more time for listening into the Couch GM's podcast. For Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kurth, and we'll see you all next week. Enjoy your week one.